Boy, even if you didn't know Jesus, you would say he's wonderful based on that performance, huh? That's some good worship. Well, most of us are here this evening to say, Jesus, what a wonderful child. And there's a reason why we say that, right? Yes, most of us have had an unforgettable year. Joys, accomplishments, new jobs, maybe the birth of your children, maybe the baptism of your kids. This evening, you are saying, Jesus, oh, what a wonderful child. And yet there's another end of the spectrum. People who have had an unforgettable year of a different kind. Tragedy, heartache, the loss of loved ones in our family members, the loss of so many people in our community, a world that is at war with each other. And we say, Jesus, Jesus, we hope, we hope you are still this wonderful child. And yet even this evening, maybe you are here and we have not seen you for a year. <laughs> Thank God time flies by real fast. <laughs> maybe you're here to join in in the singing of carols or maybe you're here because your loved ones guilted you into coming. Maybe you're hoping that the sermon doesn't go on and on so you can say, Jesus, what a wonderful child. Yes. Well, whatever the frequency of your church attendance, whatever reason you come this morning, or this evening rather, it's so different being at night. We want to wish you all a very merry welcome and a very merry Christmas. Will you please pray with me? God, this day we are in awe of your wonders. We have been in expectation. We have been hoping. We have been filled with your joy. And tonight, we are here. The Christ child is born right in front of us. God, we pray that you may open our eyes and open our ears to see, to hear, that it's not just about the Christ child in Christmas, but it's also about the Christ child in each and every one of us. And we all say, Amen. Well, people of God, I want to invite us to think about why we say things like, Jesus, Jesus, oh, what a wonderful child. I want you to think about why is that our affirmation, not just on Christmas Eve, but also throughout the year. I mean, really. What really is so wonderful about the baby Jesus? What is so wonderful about the Christ child? Some people say they come up and they look at the little plastic Jesus we have up here and they see the beautiful sort of display that we have and they feel, oh my goodness, it's, there's such joy here, there's such warmth. Jesus, what a wonderful child. But if we really were to tune in to what the gospel is telling us and what a first century context is all about, I will tell you that that first Christmas, this manger looked nothing like the way we see it today. With any sanitized manger scene, we see cute sheep, we see cute rabbits. Some manger scenes even have a Bambi in them. <laughs> but you see these scenes and we're almost forced to think of how cute this Savior of the world is just so adorable. How precious is he, is he not? And yet, when we look at a sanitized plastic baby Jesus, we have to wonder, is there something more about this Christ child than just what we see in front of us? Now, the Gospel of Luke sets a scene that is not so sanitized and it is not so plastic. Now, you all know the story, but we're going to enter into it one more time. 
the story tells us that while being forced to travel by the Roman governmental authorities, Mary, this unwed, pregnant, teenage peasant mother, goes into labor in Bethlehem. She is refused space at the local inn, and Luke doesn't tell us why. Perhaps there were no vacancies. Maybe there was no room. Or maybe there was something more. Perhaps the innkeepers had a reputation to uphold, and they wouldn't dare rent a room to an underage teenage couple, especially if she's pregnant and unmarried. With no space at this local motel, Mary is forced to give labor outside in a cave or barn, scholars say. Now I want you to imagine with me, just for a second, for a few moments, a cave filled with animals. A cave filled with sheep and goats. Do you know what sheep and goats smell like? <laughs> sheep and goats who are smelly and stinky, who didn't have the luxury of visiting the premier animal spa in Bethlehem at the time. We might say, oh, how bad really could it be, Reverend Michael? Well, imagine those smells, those unwashed hides, sheep droppings and goat dung. Pretty potent stuff for an unventilated first century cave. Or maybe you just don't get it yet. Think of a porta potty on an outdoor festival in 110 degree heat here in Houston. Can you smell it? It is most definitely not the Christmas spice candle you gave your mother last year. <laughs> it's bad, it's bad, it's real bad. But in this smelly, stinky, very uncomfortable context, we hear that the Christ child is born and laid in a manger. Now this manger is so beautiful. It's a little rustic, but nowhere near what a first century manger was like. You see, the manger was actually a feeding trough. It was filled with food for the animals, but also due to the never-ending habit of goats and sheep who like to double dip. The trough also had a layer of Sheep saliva and goat backwash. <laughs> I hope I'm not ruining your Christmas appetite. I really am. Imagine now on top of the food, imagine on top of the backwash, the grass, the hay, Mary in her infinite teenage wisdom grabs this, oh, what a wonderful child Jesus, and places him right on top of all that mess. Think about it. It's sort of funny, isn't it? It's kind of ridiculous. I mean, what more can we say? Is he that wonderful that you stick him in a pit of saliva and animal food? Really? It sounds ridiculous. It's almost unbelievable. And yet even still, people of God, there is something so wonderful about this story. You see, the Christ child could have been born in a palace to a member of Emperor Caesar's administration, in Rome, that child could have come from the religious and the political elite in Jerusalem. The child could have been born to a married woman without the shame and the blame from society. But instead, the Christ child comes from Mary right in the middle of a foul and crappy mess. The Christmas season is always described as a season of joy. But like we all know, the pressures of this season... Buying gifts for all without strapping our budgets. Making sure no one gets left out. 
trying to celebrate when you miss loved ones who are no longer with us, trying to act like you're in the Christmas spirit when all you really want to be is alone and to cry in solitude. Sometimes Christmas feels and smells like a foul, crappy mess. These last few weeks have been especially difficult with the deaths of 28 people in the Connecticut school shooting, including 20 children. Within the last 24 hours, people in a Syrian village were bombed as they stood in line trying to get simple bread from a bakery. 100 folks, Syrian people of faith and goodwill, who have been without bread for days, brutally murdered at the hands of their own government. There are folks in our own community of faith who recently lost their loved ones, their, their partners, their family members, to cancer, to AIDS, heart attacks, and other ailments. For many of us people of God, it has been hard to see anything wonderful in this season of Christmas. During the first week of Advent, after becoming frustrated with the management of the apartment complex I was living in, I frantically tried to find and move quickly into a new place. Now, I had expectations of being in a new home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. That's all I know, I promise. <laughs> Imagine my whole day just singing away, looking forward to a better home with better amenities, a spa, a heated pool, even daily valet trash pickup to avoid that walk to that rancid community dumpster. I was excited, I was hopeful, I was joyously smiling when I showed up to pick up the keys to my new place. And there things took a downward turn when I and a few others who happened to be moving in that same day saw that we were all there to move into the same apartment. Now imagine us all with vehicles. Don't laugh too hard now. <laughs> vehicles full of personal belongings ready to unload and get past the stress of moving when we all realize that we've just been scammed. Our deposit stolen from us. The stress compounded on us. The shame was upon us as we all began to blame ourselves for allowing ourselves to become victims. And after filing police reports that evening, a few of us offered pastoral care in the form of adult beverages at a nearby bar. <laughs> we shared our stories and our experiences. Now, you all know me. Usually, I'm pretty easygoing. Everything is just bridge underneath the water. You know, nothing really gets to me. But that day, I was ticked. You would have loved to have been there. I was full of colorful four-letter words to describe how I felt. I was angry. I felt like someone had just played the worst possible practical joke on me, and now it was my time for revenge. One of the others who was scammed, Tom, he was a Buddhist. He poked at me, saying, Mike, you can't get too angry. You're a Christian. Mike, you're a preacher. I said, look here, I keep it real, okay? <laughs> and I told him, I said, the police better find this person who scammed us because if they do not, I will call a few of my cousins back in Aldine on the north side and we'll play our own practical joke. 
And Tom, the Buddhist, says to me, yeah, Mike, but isn't that like an eye for an eye? And I said, you know what? I'm done talking with you. I'm homeless, I've got church in the morning, and I need to find a place to lay my head for this evening. And so I left. I got in my car, and I sat there, and there I sort of broke down. I slowly picked up my cell phone and looked in my contacts under the letter M, and I made a call I did not want to make. I dialed the number, and she answered. <laughs> my mother answered. And I didn't know what to say. I just felt like singing, Mama, I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. And you know what she said? She said, Mijo, son, have you been drinking? I was done with her. I was done with her. I was done with Tom the Buddhist. I was done with everyone who was not allowing me to have my pity party. All I wanted to do was to be and sit in my own porta potty to sit and feel sorry for myself. Now, my mother really didn't have a spare bedroom available, but she did make space for me, right next to where her dog Smokey sleeps. <laughs> now, I have never been an animal lover. Cat hair, dog hair, they all get to me. They slobber all the time. It just feels so unsanitary. And yet here I am every morning with a dog with a wet chin. <laughs> this mixture of saliva and food and water jumping into my bed and licking my face and waking me up day by day. I felt like Jesus in a manger in Bethlehem. <laughs> You know? And like what many of you might be saying this holiday season, I said, why? Why? This is not what Christmas is supposed to be all about. Like Charlie Brown said, will somebody please tell me what Christmas is all about? I'm supposed to be talking about how wonderful this Christ child is. And all I can concentrate on is the crappy mess in which I find myself. A few days later, a breakthrough came when I was chatting with one of my colleagues. I was telling her the story of how this season has been, especially this latest episode with Elise. And you know what she did? She started laughing at me. Here I am, bearing my naked soul to her, and she's hysterically amused. Now, I'm not going to tell you who she is. I don't want to out her. <laughs> I would never embarrass anyone while they're on sabbatical. I would never do that. <laughs> but not only does she start laughing, but all of a sudden, she herself breaks out into song. I'll be home for Christmas. And I said, stop it. Why, why are you singing? Why are you laughing at me? And she says, Michael, don't you see? It's a Christmas story. You have to tell this story. And then, people of God, something clicked in my mind. I began to see that my somewhat outrageous and ridiculous story is the Christmas story. Luke tells us a ludicrous story about a pregnant Mary, about Joseph, about despised shepherds, people who were victimized by society, 
people who were made to feel and experience a life that was messy, that was dirty, that was unfair, and sometimes heartbreaking. It is a ridiculous story. Not about a sanitized Jesus in a manger, but rather about an unclean baby lying in a feeding trough in a smelly cave. There is a reason why Mary gives birth to the Christ child in such an unrefined and foul-smelling context. And I dare say that it's to show each and every one of you that even when you feel like the whole world is against you, when you've been discriminated against, when you've been scammed by life and unjustly dealt with by society, when the toxic odors of your circumstances make you feel as though you are stuck in your very own porta potty, Christ is still able to show up and meet you right where you are, wherever you are, even in an animal trough. This is something that is so powerful from the Gospel of Luke. If we can only grasp what he's saying. Christmas is a story not for those who have everything together and figured out. Sorry, Reverend Kristen. <laughs> it's not for those with perfect lives who never struggle with doubt or hard times. Christmas is especially for those whose lives are out of order. Those who live day by day trying to make it and hustle in this world. Wondering if they can make it even to 2013. People of God, Christmas is for you. You who have faced a roller coaster ride of a year with its many ups and downs. You who have lost your partners, your loved ones. You who have felt the pain of the heartbreak of a loss. Christmas is for you. You who have been battling cancer and HIV, you who are struggling to pay your medications and your bills, Christmas is for you. You who wonder if life will ever get any easier, if we will one day have a society where the sacred value of all people is truly recognized, not just in churches, but in our very own legal rights. Christmas is for you. You who sometimes look in the mirror with hatred towards yourself because all you can see is waste and misfortune. You who have been beaten down by your family and friends for pursuing your own dreams instead of theirs. You who sometimes feel the need for revenge because of how you've been victimized. And you who are tired of being angry with God, of being angry with your neighbor, and being angry with yourself. Christmas is for you. Amidst the stench of her past and the filthy circumstances of her present, no matter what is going on around her, Mary, this unwed teenage girl, somehow finds a way to give birth to the Christ child within her. And we all know that child. It's a child that represents our greatest hopes for the possibilities ahead. It's a child that represents true peace in a world, in our world, that is broken too often by war. It is a child that shines brightly as the light of the world. But people of God, we just cannot stop there. Mary gave birth to the Christ. We have to give birth to the Christ child on a daily basis, wherever you are, however you are. Even that Buddhist Tom who annoyed me to God's no end. <laughs> even he in the presence of anger and even my anger, he gave birth to forgiveness and even peace. 
How many of our friends and neighbors who aren't even Christians sometimes embody more of the love of God and the Christ child than the followers of Jesus? We have to wonder and ask ourselves, when will we take up the mantle and take the responsibility to truly be the people of God, not just on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but every day of the year? I dare say, people of God, that no matter where you are in life, if you will learn, if you will learn to not just see the beautiful plastic baby Jesus, but if you'll learn to look in the mirror and see the wonderful child of Christ, if you'll learn to look at your neighbor and recognize the wonderful child of Christ, you'll begin to see that the Christ child is not just about Christmas, some Christmas thing that happened 2,000 years ago. It is far more powerful than that. And that is, Christmas is every day for us, every day. Will you be like Mary today? Will you recognize the Christ child, not just in Christmas, but also in you? Amen.